My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we think of our life with the Messiah, what, what comes to mind? Well, we should recognize that he is, he is our life. Without him, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We have the foretaste of, of the blessings. We have fellowship. We have just the joy, the, a heart that loves the scripture. All because of Messiah? What's that? All because of Messiah? All because of Messiah. Yeshua, Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, yo. It is Wednesday, June 12th, 2019. This is Messiah Matters number 267. Finally looking at the YouTube comments, my name is Caleb Hegg. And finally replying to some of the YouTube comments, I'm Rob Vanhoff. Now you're bringing from a Tor resource mug. You keep freezing on me for some reason, but that's okay. I, I figured out a, a workaround for it. Hey, what's up, everybody? I didn't sh- I didn't send out any show notes today. And basically at this point, show notes are like a way to remind people the show's on. There's not it's a whole like, lot that we put in. Sh- There's not a whole lot we put in the show notes. Yeah, the reason that let me tell you the reason that we have show notes in the first place. The reason we have show notes in the first place is because we every once in a while we'll reference either books, audio lectures and or links. And we did that enough times. People finally kept saying, where's the, like, where is that? Where is that? And then we, you know, so basically our show notes is usually like a link or two. So people who are like, I think people expect like full on show notes, like a lot of shows have, you know, like a, a miniature newsletter or something. That's not what our show notes are. Anyway, right. I'd like to welcome everyone in the chat room. Welcome, welcome. to you. Yes. And let's get our producers rolling here. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, our ex- executive producers, and also everyone who supports this show. Um, yeah, we couldn't do it without you. That is the truth. Um, <clears throat> it's been a very interesting week, and we almost didn't have a show today. Actually, about an hour ago, we got on the phone, and I, I said, I don't think we should have a show today. <laughs> and then we started talking and realized, now. This is a show worth of content, we think. We hope. Anyway, um, so yeah, welcome to everyone out in YouTube land, and welcome to everyone in podcast land. Um, We're happy that you're listening, and thank you to everyone who supports the show. Okay, Uh, if you want to be a part of the conversation, do that by uh, giving us a, let's see here, a call on our comment line. Man, I still have to, I keep forgetting to change the, the message machine. It's just not... High priority, I guess, in my mind. 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You can also shoot us an email. See Hegg at com. C-H-E-G-G at com. And, of course, Messiah Matters is brought to you by com. Go to Torah Resource and find all sorts of wonderful free resources. And, uh, yeah, we just, uh, we just celebrated uh, Shavuot. And I hope everybody had a good Shavuot. Uh, we had a very restful Shavuot. It was very, very nice. Our group studied uh, John 16 and 17, which was fantastic. 
trying to see the work of the spirit. And uh, yeah, very interesting. So what's been going on with you, Rob? How's it going, man? Well, I am. Uh, we just wrapped up our last Greek class for first year Greek. Yeah. And it was awesome. I, I'm proud of the students. And um, it's not easy, you know, studying the Bible languages. We use Dr. Mounts's, uh, it's through Zondervan, called Basics of Biblical Greek. And he bookends his, his it's a one-year book, pretty intense. It's like a fire hose. But at the beginning, it's like your rationale statement. Why am I doing this? Right. And then at the end, it's like, remember why you've done this and and keep at it. Right. And uh, so I'm hoping that, uh, well, anybody who studies the Bible language, if you study Greek or Hebrew, that you really recognize that even if you, let's say you didn't get straight A's or whatever, don't let that be a deterrent because you will have taken away something of value and you stay in the word and you'll continue to refine your skills. It's hard, but, man. But, but biblical Dr. Language Mouse puts hard. it this way. He says he looks, he sees studying a biblical language as a natural extension to your love of God. Right. Doesn't mean you have to become an expert, but, right. and, and this is true too, because I was thinking about this, even in the gospels, if, if all we knew was Greek, we're right off the bat, we start getting in, uh, introduced to Hebrew or Aramaic terminology. Right. Sabbath, right. Um, Pascha, right. And so there's, even if you were a, a Greek speaking Gentile in the first century, you're already learning Judaic cultural um, concepts, which are grounded in the scriptures. You're being drawn into a world different than what you were born into. Right. And, and so the question is just how intense is that journey for you? Is that journey going to be intense enough to where you're going to actually go and search out and study the languages to, to get, or are you just going to be content with letting something always be translated for you by someone else? And where are you on the scale? Speaking of translated for you by someone else, I think that's a perfect transition into uh, our first, our first YouTube comment. This is a fun one. Um, I'm not a part of it. This is uh, this conversation is going on on show two uh, two sixty five, and uh, Dude Maccabeus has uh, had quite an a long thread going. I I don't know how many comments are in there now. The last time I looked, it was seventeen, but I know you guys have been commenting more since then. <clears throat> and somewhere in this thread, um, so let's see here. Dude Maccabeus writes and says, are the 66 legit? Yes. And we're talking about canonization here, right? We're talking about the 66 books of the Bible. And, um, you know, there's rarely any debate over, over the canon of the Tanakh, but the apostolic scriptures, for some reason, tend to always be, and maybe it's because it's more recent. We know, you know, we can kind of see the formation. Um, so he says, are the 66 books legit? Yes. Are there more legit books? Yes. That's all I'm saying. So this is after quite a thread. And then Rob Van Hoff. Oh, yeah. This morning I was like, oh, I was just looking through our YouTube. And I said, <clears throat> I put, hi, dude, which books beyond 66 do you believe are legit? 
And how do you come to this conclusion slash conviction? Thank you. And he, and his reply was very prompt. Enoch, Jubilees, Jasher, all the books of the Apocrypha, a few others. They do not make void anything in the 66, only reaffirm. That's not he, true, though. Then he subsequented all books of Enoch after the first one aren't trustworthy, IMO, in my opinion. Okay, so he's got an opinion as to which, zeroing in on Enochic literature, which are trustworthy and which are not. So, so he's gotten apparently an informed opinion about this. Uh, and then I just follow, I said, thanks for the reply. How do you have access to these books? And his, and I, I didn't ask it very clearly um, because his answer was websites, YouTube or hard copies. And I, that's not what I was looking for. Obviously these books are all over the place. Right. Um, I said, what I mean is who told you these books are legit and who translated them for you? Or in other words, which ones, because there's multiple translations, which ones are you, the ones that you are saying people should read as and accept as legit? And he said, and he shifts, oh, I see you're not, you aren't actually looking for info. You're trying to Socratically get me to change my mind. That's called dodgeball. And, I, and so is, I said, no, I don't care if you believe in the Book of Mormon. I'm just asking you. He's dodging a question there. Yeah. Well, that, and then he said, well, you can look up that for yourself. Also dodging. You know what that means? I don't have time to research. You know what that means? That means he doesn't have an answer. That means he doesn't know the answer. That's not a... Look, one thing that people, I think, need to realize is that there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't know. You're yeah, allowed to say yeah. that. When you dodge like that, it shows that you don't know what you're talking about. Just say, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, you go do your own research. I mean, I feel like that a lot. Okay. There are people who write in and will say, uh, you know, have questions. It's like, you know, I don't have, I, I literally don't have time to write a paper for you. And sometimes that's appropriate. But when somebody asks a question like, hmm, who is your Hebrew teacher? Who is your Greek teacher? Like dodging the question doesn't help. Or, you know, what translation are you reading? Who did the Who did the translation? For example, I would just say, you know, he, he says, if I'm generally curious, I can do that research. You know, he can't do it for me. I happen to have multiple translations of all the books he's talking about. Right. Um, you know, and so <laughs> I don't need, I'm not asking for my own information. I'm trying to understand his position of asserting that these are legitimate books, uh, that are outside the 66 canon, the 66. And I'm trying to understand a person who has that conviction, what do they ground their conviction on? And he's being just elusive. He's not, uh, every like you said, dodgeball, every time I ask a question. Okay, hang on just a sec. There's two, there's two main issues I want to touch on with this whole thread, though. Number one, just because a book isn't wrong or affirms great things does not mean it's God-breathed and canon for instance okay i just read a book um you know i well i've read a couple of really good books but um you know there's there is a a great book called um the preacher's catechism that i'm in right now now i haven't read the whole thing so i can't but we'll use it as an example if i get through the whole book and i say wow everything this guy said was on point he affirms scripture he upholds scripture and he's he's training in a good way that doesn't mean that it's that his book is scripture. Just because it's old doesn't make it make it scripture. Just because it was around the Yeshua during Yeshua's time does not make it scripture. So there has to be a standard of why are we calling something scripture? Just because a book like Enoch may have been around, 
in you know in the first century and may have been widely distributed does not mean that it was scripture, right? I mean, you know, Star Wars has been a a, a bestseller. J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Just because a lot of people have them doesn't mean that they're scripture, right? Now, the this the other thing that we need to address, and I want you to touch on this, is he says that they don't uh, they don't go against scripture at all. They only affirm the sixty six book canon. That's not true. There is a reason that they're not scripture. What oh, are some yeah, of the reasons? Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the things that? Oh, like in terms of you could go through <clears throat> one by one on these, but Enoch, for example, is uh, <laughs> totally different calendar. Right. And and the idea that that someone will you go up to heaven and have access to heavenly knowledge independent of the Torah of Moses is is very problematic. But the calendar is not a, a biblical calendar at all. Um, and the book of Jubilees, you know, is dependent on the same tradition, advocating a different calendar, advocating the fixing of Shavuot for the 15th of the third month. Um, the book of Jubilees forbids Israel, uh, anyone who's Israelite to eat with a Gentile. Um, yeah. And in the book of Jubilees, if, if you're a male who was not circumcised on the eighth day, you, there's no salvation for you must be an eighth day circumcision. So circumcision on the ninth day for whatever reason, you're out, you're out. Yeah. There's all sorts of with. Uh, Jubilees itself uh, is kind of what the later Mishnah ends up attempting to be. Is a second. It presents itself as a second revelation to Moses on Mount Sinai. Well, and within Moses the, received the Torah, and then he received this other tradition. And then you need to be part of our community to really know what that tradition is. Uh, and and that's yeah, those books aren't in. Uh, the, the well, canon. not only that, there's historical uh, mistakes within the Apocrypha, there's, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons why these books did not make it into the canon. Yeah. And not only that, but, <clears throat> you know, I've said when it comes to the, uh, to the apostolic scriptures, you know, a lot of people will say, oh yeah, it was, it was a church council that decided the, the, uh, the apostolic canon. You know, they, they decided what books were in and what, what books were out. That is totally false. What decided what books were in and what books were out were was the ecclesia as a whole, the Christian ecclesia as a whole. Were you willing to die for the book or not? Were you willing to die for the book of Enoch? No, they weren't. Were they willing to die for First Peter? Yeah, they were. And that's the point. Over the course of you know 300 years, 300, 400 years, you had people w ready and willing to die for the, ca the canonical books. And... What the council did, <clears throat> pardon me, what the council did was simply close the, say that the canon was closed, rightfully so, by the way. The canon was closed and the, the canon had been decided ultimately by the Holy Spirit. That ultimately, it was the Holy Spirit that decided and convicted the people to be able to. Because it's the Holy Spirit for, that inspired it. I mean, it's, <laughs> exactly. These are, there's spirit breathed. Scripture is spirit breathed. Right. And right, exactly. uh, what people are doing then when they're going to say, oh, the, the Holy Spirit is different. So now there's more people 
basically getting into, you know, alternative spirits. Right. And, and ultimately you go to the extension of this is on the, you know, in American, you know, early revolution. No, I guess it's early 19th century America. You have the book of Mormon. Right. And that's taken, I mean, that's a completely different spirit. That's not the Holy spirit. It's well, a completely could, different spirit at work. You could say the same thing about the Quran, right? The Quran attempted yeah. to expand the canon even further. The Zohar in, exactly. in Jewish tradition. Right. Um, so, um, you know, this is actually, and, and this topic of the 66 book canons, I think is one of the core topics that we need. You know, this is ultimately trying to manipulate the 66 book canon one way or the other, take away or add to ultimately is an assault on the gospel. And that's something that but we... But here, even this, Caleb, even if, let's say, you know what, <laughs> Caleb, I've got this great translation of Enoch and Jubilees, and we need to create a Bible, a new Bible to have Enoch and Jubilees. Right. Okay, but how? why would someone else just not say, oh, that too, your your decision also is a tradition of man. You're, that's just a man. You guys just decided that. You know, why... why? <laughs> Why should my why should the Bible I produce that has all these other books in it that I say are legit? Why should people take my word for it? And any more than we're going to take the word of the Catholic Church or any more than we're going to take the word of of, you know, the reformers definition. Are you asking that to me? No, it's it's rhetorical. <clears throat> Alice. In the chat room says, but isn't there historical mistakes in, in Chronicles, uh, though, when comparing with Samuel's recordings? Yeah, I mean, it seems as though there are. I wouldn't call them. Oh, the one, one example is uh, the who killed Goliath, I think. I think there's, um, you know, it, we're used to the David killed Goliath in Samuel. And if I remember right, I haven't looked at this for a long time. Uh in Chronicles, it's listed, but it, it depends on how you understand it also. But I, I don't have a list of those in front of me, of those um, supposed discrepancies in front of me. So maybe we could do a show on that in the future. But Yeah, and, and that's what I would say is that uh, uh, I, I, once again, I don't think that there are mistakes in the, in, in the Bible. I just don't. Um, I think that there might be things that we don't understand. Um, you know, people could be looking at things from a different perspective. I don't know. Different calendars. Who knows? Um, but scholars have done good work in in trying to uh, line those kind of things up. And ultimately, we'll know. But one of the reasons, I mean, now we're talking about the Tanakh, right? Yeshua accepted those as the as God-breathed, Right. Mm -hmm. yep. So, I mean, we know that those are canon. Okay. These are, these are core issues. The 66-book canon, core issue. Deity, the Messiah, core issue. You know, the way that the Spirit works. I think that the Trinity is a core issue. Okay? Um, these are core issues. And when people, when people attack these issues, they're, these are the things that we should cry foul on instantaneously. Uh, it's an assault on the gospel itself. And these are things that matter. However, Rob and I have been talking recently about, <clears throat> and this isn't to put anybody down, but the I, you know, we get a lot of emails and we get a lot of calls and uh, people 
You know, and sometimes people say, oh, well, I, why didn't you talk about, you know, my issue or my, my question on, on air? There's just some things that I think are distractions. And I think there are a lot of distractions in the Hebrew Roots movement. And, I mean, it's constant. And thing, people get really, really into these things. And it's like you're taking your eye off the ball. And while all these distractions are going on, you have people bringing assault onto the core issues like the canon and the deity of the Messiah. So, I mean, some of these distractions, what, I mean, I could list, I could list a couple of the, the main distractions that I think people get wrapped up in. I think number one would be two-house theology. Who cares if the, you know, if the Native American Indians are are Jewish by blood or, you know, you know, some settlement in Canada is one, you know, or, you know, it makes zero difference. We know that all of the tribes are going to come back to, to the land. The scattered tribes will come back to the land and that uh, they will all worship the Messiah. So who cares? I don't, I mean, I don't understand the fascination with the idea that the lost tribes are, you know, th this people group might be part of the lost tribes. Does that matter at all for our salvation? Does it matter at all for the way that we study? I don't think it does. Well, it it got traction for Joseph Smith. Yeah, of course. 18, I mean, it sold book. It sold the book. It got the Book of Mormon right as a popular book because people were like, oh, "The lost years of Native American, you know, tribes. You know, they're actually Hebrews," and that of course had traction for over a hundred years before and back in the 1600s, you had people making that claim. Um, cause you had Europeans trying to understand who these people were <laughs> trying to explain it. And the people who had a biblical kind of background thought, Oh, these, these are probably the dispersed tribes, you know, and by the time that lore kind of develops and Joseph Smith comes along and writes a book Creates but, a new religion out of it. Yeah, but you know what? When we look at Ephesians, I, I completely agree with what you're say, saying. But when you, when we look at Ephesians, the people groups have been broken. You know, the 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 the, the people um, being uh, segregated has been broken down in Messiah. We're one family, Jew and Gentile alike. Exactly. And, and so when when people put emphasis on this, not only is it a distraction, but it turns into heresy. You get you get like the the uh, black Hebrew Israelite movement that mm. that is just I mean it's downright racist towards anyone who's not African American. The same thing, exact same thing happens in the opposite direction. You know the the neo Nazi movement and the the uh, Aryan yeah. Aryan Brotherhood and all this. This is they claim to be Christian, and it all comes from the idea that that we are a people group that's better than you. And if people would just get rid of it, and I mean, who cares? Who cares about about race and these kind of things? It shouldn't matter in the body of Christ. Right. They're misunderstanding the covenant with Abraham. Yeah, in exactly. you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Right. Uh, so it I, should I, really I, be a theology of the more the merrier. Like, you know. <laughs> right. Right on. So, it, you know, that's one of the, the main distractions I see. In the, in the Hebrew Roots movement. Another distraction that, I mean, there's a lot of them. Finding, finding hidden meaning in Paleo-Hebrew. You know, I've heard a couple of, of sermons recently, and I was at a conference recently where uh, somebody taught 
you know, on the, oh, and, you know, this in Paleo-Hebrew, the letter meant this. And he, you know, he stacked all these words together or all these letters together to show the hidden meaning of what this actually meant in the Paleo-Hebrew. Now, the man was very, uh, he was he was very convicted of what he was saying. But at the end of his talk, and his, you know, and his point was very good. I'm not going to take that away from him. The point that he was making was very good. But at the end of it, I thought to myself, okay, <clears throat> let's take the entire teaching that he just gave. Let's take all of the Paleo-Hebrew hidden meaning out of it. Let's just look at the sermon itself. Could he have exegeted this from the passage that he was talking about without the Paleo-Hebrew? And the answer was, absolutely. Not only could he have done it, but he would have had way more time to actually get farther into the actual text. There was nothing that he was able to bring out of the Paleo-Hebrew meaning that made any... So the question is this, was the meaning there or did he impose it on the Paleo-Hebrew? Well, I think he imposed it on the Paleo-Hebrew, but the meaning was actually... the meaning. So was he didn't, in other words, he didn't come to the Scripture not knowing, interpreted the Paleo-Hebrew, and discovered this meaning. Exactly. It, it was right there He actually there the already text. knew this. He already had the information from the study of the Scriptures. Right. And then he's looking at Paleo-Hebrew and then arguing that it's that the Paleo-Hebrew is telling that same message. Right, exactly. And I see this all the time. I, I cannot legitimately give one example of anyone who's given Paleo-Hebrew meaning, understanding of something, that has made me say, oh, wow, I would have never got that from the text. And or I, I would have never seen that in the Bible. In other words, the hidden meaning isn't helping. It's it's plainly there in the text anyway. So why do you need the the Paleo Hebrew, the sacred name movement? I mean, well, all I've of... had someone ask about Paleo Hebrew, and they're like, "Well, I don't know Hebrew very well, or I don't know Hebrew, but I'm looking to learn. Should I learn Paleo Hebrew?" <laughs> and I said, "No. What you do is you sign up for a legitimate biblical Hebrew class, like Torah Resource Institute. You learn this. You learn the script." You learn the vowel points. You learn to read, learn how nouns work, verbs work, etc., and and start getting used to the Bible as we have it in Hebrew. Then down the road, after you after you have after you're standing on your own two feet, and you don't need a walk, you know, that you can walk on your own. Then, if you're still interested, go back and look. You can study the inscriptions that ex- that we have that are in the earlier script, the great majority of which are all pagan. <laughs> right. uh, you know the Moabite stone, Phoenician inscriptions, ancient Aramaic inscriptions. They're not. He- they're not Hebrew. They're not. It's not biblical. They use the et. <laughs> but, but they're but, but Edomite is- inscriptions. <laughs> you know these are these are our earliest sources for paleo. What we call paleo Hebrew. So um, what people have done to create a paleo Hebrew Tanakh is they've taken the Masoretic text, and then they take in their computer they they go and they find one of these ancient inscriptions and they create the an ideal like font right of that script digitally and then they just go replace olive for olive bet for bet it's still the mat you're still looking at the masoretic text you have not added any information but the but the point the ultimate point is is that i think the biggest misstep that the hebrew roots and and even the messianic movement has has made is the idea 
that all of these, you know, that there's all these different things that we need to uh, occupy our time with. And then what, and then what happens? What happens is they say uh, they get uh, so many people get this idea of, oh, I know better than the Christians because I know all this stuff. But the stuff that you know, they don't really know anything. It doesn't matter. I mean, none of it matters. It like, you know, flat earth. Tell me how that plays into my salvation. Tell me how that plays into the gospel. A ridiculousness. And I'm not saying that that's just Hebrew roots. I mean, it's kind of well, someone could argue that, oh, you've been, uh, there's too many things in reality that you take for granted that are, in fact, built on lies. And that could, that would affect, you know, your recognition of what is true and what is not. And flat earth is the truth. And therefore, you know, because you've been believed that lie, there's probably other lies you've believed. And now you need to just, you need to question everything. Um, you know, the, the, so, the ultimate point is, is that we, is that we should be focused on the gospel. And, you know, I don't consider myself part of the Hebrew roots movement. I consider myself part of the body of Christ. Exactly. That's who I pray for. When I say our father in heaven, I'm one of the members of the body of Christ. Do I know who those are? No, I don't know who those people are. Do I know they're there? Yeah, they're out there. They're all around the world by God's grace. And I'm I'm honored and privileged and humbled to be one of them. And exactly. that's who that's that's who I'm part of, you know? And uh that's who we represent. For better or for worse. No doubt. Okay, let's go on. Uh Virginia writes, this is a great question. I I, I actually thought this was Fantastic. So last week we talked about the deity of the Messiah, right? And we've just gotten email after email after email of more, you know, more scripture that people, and it's it's true. I mean, you know, just the onslaught of scripture showing the, the deity of our Lord and Savior, right? And uh, at the very end we talked, I, I slipped in a little bit about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit of the Holy Spirit is Yeshua's spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Father's spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us, which makes us acceptable to the Father. And uh, actually, I got a fantastic, uh, and I haven't ri- ri- written him back, but uh, a gentleman named Scott sent me a uh, some work that he had done compiling um, different scriptures on the Holy Spirit. It was It was very, you know, it's, it's a great chart to be able to go to, essentially, and, and oh, yeah, you know, let's look at, at these scriptures. Anyway, so uh, Virginia writes, and she says, Was it necessary for those in Jerusalem on Pentecost to believe in the Trinity to be saved? And this was how the gospel was preached in, and was this how the gospel was preached in apostolic times? This is an interesting question. Certainly, we believe in progressive revelation throughout the Bible, right? You know, from Adam all the way through to the to Revelation, we we see uh, the understanding of believers expanding through the revelation of God. However, I think that the uh, that at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes and indwells, by this time, by, by the time that this happens, we already have language in Acts that talks about Yeshua and his deity, and we already have language that talks about the, Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. And they are affirming it. They are affirming 100% the deity of the Messiah. So did they believe in the Trinity? I don't think they called it the Trinity. 
Did they understand that Yeshua was Emmanuel, God with us? He was yod heh vav walking among them? Yes, they did know that. Did they understand that the Holy Spirit would come and indwell them? Yes, because Yeshua said that, that he, he had to leave so that he could send the Helper. Right? The Paracletus. I think that's part of that. Back to the Acts chapter 2. That's the core, the core conviction. I, have to, I don't have it in front of me here. Let me find it. Um, I'm thinking in Acts two where he says, "Let all, let all the house of Israel know," or something. You know what I'm talking about? Let me see here. It's like Acts two, thirty something. Let me see. Sorry, I should have had that. I should have had that up. Um, Thirty six. Let there, therefore, I'm reading the NASB, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And we can get into the Greek of that in a minute. But then he goes, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart, heart right? and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent, each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, and it goes on. This is, and then be saved from this perverse generation. It's it's the identity of Yeshua <clears throat> right. as both Adonai and Messiah. Right. Th- that hearing that was this core cutting to their heart, that their response was, what do we do? In other words, it cut right to the exact point on their heart that leveraged everything they were going to drop everything and change their life and they in the message response then by peter repent be baptized in the name of yeshua the messiah right that is that they're not questioning his they're taking his authority to be god's authority right they're they're not um it's not like oh this is some guy i'm going to show my ignorance here wasn't it thomas who said, my Lord and my God. Who was it who said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Thomas. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> That's po- post-resurrection. Post-resurrection. By the time when Yeshua rises from the grave, and then by the time he ascends, there is no question in their minds, I believe, that he is not only the risen Messiah and Lord, but they understand. Because... Um. Stephen, is it Stephen in front of the council when he says heaven had to receive him, right? Mm -hmm. Yeshua has now described himself from the Torah and the prophets. And he's done that on the road to Emmaus, but he's also done that, um, I think he's done that with his disciples as well. The time that he spends with them before he ascends, Eyes were open to the prophecies and what is really going on. The the, the dying on the cross for the sins of the elect, all these things. By the time, and it's interesting because by the time Acts comes around and all of a sudden the persecution begins, Peter Peter and John in front of the council, Stephen in front of the council, the Bible literacy is intense. These guys are... I mean, they they know their Bibles well, they quote their Bibles well, and they are quoting from prophecy. They know the prophet. They know they the know promises. It. They're they anchored it. in the Word. Yeah, right. In the living Word of God. Exactly. And they know where religion has gone astray. You know, in the 
in their contemporary world. Right. So wow. I think that by the time uh, Acts 2 happens and the Holy Spirit comes to empower them to take the gospel to the nations, they know the gospel. They know the gospel message. And what's part of the gospel message? You know, we've talked about this recently. Part of the gospel message is that, that God would come in the form of mankind to save the elect from their sin and to bring them back into covenant relationship with himself. This is the gospel. And so by the time Acts 2 happens, the Holy Spirit comes to empower them to take that message to the nations. They certainly know the message. So it is my understanding that, yes, they understood the work of the Spirit and how that was going to play out, not only in salvation, but in their lives. And they knew for sure the deity of the Messiah. And we see this in Acts. Okay. Um, Great, great question, by the way. Thank you, Virginia, for that question. I thought it was fantastic. Um, We got an email, and uh, this will be our last. We'll wrap up after this. This is a great question as well. In response to your show, 266, that was our last show, by the way, on the deity of um, of the Messiah. And uh, so you can go and, and look at that if you'd like to. Let me affirm that I believe with you, Yeshua is yod heh So how do we address these questions? Number one, Yeshua said, the Father is greater than I am, John 14, 28. Number two, How can Yeshua be the Father when he just said the Father is greater than he is? First of all, I want to address number two first. Yeshua is not the Father. Correct. And this is, I mean, trying to understand, and I said this last week, trying to understand the Almighty God with a brain that is so limited as ours is impossible. Is Yeshua yod vav Yes. Is the Father, yod yes. Is the Holy Spirit, yod yes. Are they one? Yes. Are they distinct persons within the Godhead? Yes. So, you know, when, the, when Yeshua dies on the cross, does the Father die? No. No. That's called passionism, and uh, that's, you know, the, if the Father would have truly died, then guess what? The world would stop existing. I can't explain that, but the scriptures affirm it, and therefore we have to as well. So, and it's interesting though, right? When the disciples say, Lord, show us the Father. And what does he say? Have I not been with you this whole time? If you see oh, wow. me, you see the Father. You know, the fullness of deity dwells in him. You know, when when we see the burning bush in Exodus, do we see the Holy Spirit? Yes. Do we see Yeshua? Yes. Do we see the Father? Yes. Can they be separated? No. Are they separate? Yes. Can I explain that? No. <laughs> but, you know, somebody... John doesn't make, in the beginning of Gospel John, he doesn't make any apologies. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And you're like, wait a minute. Did I just read that correctly? And he's like, yeah, you read it correctly. Then he's going to say the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, right? And he's going to go on to say, before Abraham was, I am, right? I mean, all these things that are, they assume that the audience understands the Torah 
that has a Torah background. Um, the very fact that he starts the book with in the beginning clues us off. But yeah, it's it's uh so the chat the chat room says a bunch of people say that they lost us. Okay, oh, and, our, and, our, uh, and and now we're back. And th- I love this comment. This is <laughs> this is hilarious, and it shows the uh, the dedication of some of our listeners. Even in uh, in England, she says, uh, "Funny, my phone didn't lose them, but the TV did." So she's sitting there watching on her phone and her TV. <laughs> Two witnesses. That's. Awesome. Okay. So are, are we, is it working right now? I it wonder. is. It says that we came back. Good. <clears throat> okay. See ya, but someone put me in time out for telling the truth. Yeah, I put you in time out. I did that. Because you're, you're making comments completely out of, stick to the topic. If you're going to talk about Pizzagate, I mean, come on. Stick to the topic. This is... I'm sorry, but the chat room is not for people to randomly come in and start uh, giving their opinions on the book of Revelation. If we were talking about the book of Revelation, then yes. Okay. Talk about Pizzagate and it coming out as true. Okay. Um, And boom. Well, now you just got banned from the channel. So, okay. Um, so then the third question, how can Yeshua say the father is greater than I am? Then go on to say in John 14, 10, I am the father, I in the father and the father is in me because even that statement could imply, would imply that the father and son are equal. Okay. These are great questions, by the way. And I love, I love comments like this. Um, so let's go back. So we already addressed number two, right? Um, let's address number one. Yeshua said the father is greater than I am. John 14, 28. Okay. Do you want to take it or do you want me to? Sure. And then, but then he also says, right? The father's in me. I am the, I am in the father. Father and I are, I and the father are one. Right. When we understand Yeshua saying the father is greater than I, he's emphasizing his, the incarnation, the, his humanity as subservient, as obedient to the will of the father for the sake of redemption. Um, and we, you know, in, in, uh, it's in the epistle to the Hebrews, right? It says he, he learned obedience by the things he suffered. Well, what does that mean? He learned obedience by the things he suffered. This is, it's the first time in all history where a flesh and blood human is walking breath by breath, moment by moment for an entire lifetime, 30 plus years in in full submission to the word of God, to the, the authority of the Father, without sin, but being tempted in all ways that all humankind is. Right. And that's what we call the incarnation. I mean, we can think of the incarnation as a one thing. Okay, so Mary uh, has, has a baby conceived by the Ruach HaKodesh, and you think, okay, so now it's the word became flesh, and it's just now he's just hanging out in the flesh. Well, there's more to it than that. He's growing, in, it says he grows in, in wisdom. He, he has a life just like, because he's human. And, but he's without sin. So he walks every step by the Ruach, by the, the guidance of the Ruach HaKodesh, and never sins, always uh, 
puts to death, because ultimately he's putting to death sin in the flesh. He's properly discerning what sin is in humanity, and he's putting it to death. And that's what he's there to do, is no matter what. It, obviously, it cost him his whole life. He says, you know, how his soul is greatly troubled. But, uh, Caleb, it was, it was actually pretty great. Your, your uncle David preached on this at uh, your brother's memorial service. And Yeshua says, uh, what should I do? Save me from this hour? He says, no, for this I was come into the world. Right. In other words, to bear the full weight of, of, of the temptation of sin and the weight of the reality of sin in humanity and respond always appropriately according to the will of the Father and to properly convict and condemn sin in the flesh. Right. And uh, that goes all the way to him final breath on the cross from birth to death that's uh, consistent but yeshua didn't die on the cross when he was a baby right he had to be he became a full grown mature man first and that's a that was a process i think that i mean and i bring this passage up continually but i think it uh i think it, it uh, there's good reason why because it shows exactly what it shows this relationship between father and son so well. Philippians 2 5 and following. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or a thing to be held on for advantage, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This is the answer right there. Right. Yeshua this said, doesn't mean, this is so important when you get into the Greek, it doesn't mean he looked like a man, but he wasn't really one. Right. It doesn't mean he was he was kind of like God, but he wasn't really. That's not the proper way to understand the language here. It means in just as Adam is in the is a, a likeness of man, means he is man, right? So um, anyway, we'll get into that from Philippians 2, maybe on another time. So, uh, unashamed of Jesus says, when the father poured out his wrath on the son and declared, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we've talked on, on that passage before, uh, many times. I think that, that he's not, I don't think Yeshua actually thought the Lord had forsaken him. I, I don't think that at all. I think that he's saying, go well, read Psalm 20. He's reciting right. Psalm 22, 22, right? sorry. Yeah. And in, in the Aramaic, of course. Right. So, but I, um, there's no, keep in mind, there's no chapter uh, markations at this point. So, Yeshua's. Yeah, that's the opening line. Yeah. yeah. So, he, what he's saying is go read this passage. It's being fulfilled right now. Um, but she goes on Do you believe the Father temporarily separated from the Son? I don't think that the Father and the Son can be separated because they're one. But the Son died, right? The it says died. in Revelation, yeah. Yeah, you know, I died and. You know, and now I'm alive forevermore. I, can can I tell you a quick story? I had I was talking to I won't use any names. I was talking to a teacher uh, within the Hebrew Roots movement, and uh, he he was associated with another teacher, and he uh, he said, you know, uh, this other teacher, he doesn't deny the de deity of the Messiah, he just denies the Trinity. <laughs> like that's any better? I don't understand. Like, shouldn't uh, like that that should disqualify him as a teacher 
of the Bible anyway. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. And the interesting thing is he said it like that should be okay. Like, oh, no, no, no. He doesn't deny the deity. He just denies the Trinity. Okay. So he denies... So in, in my mind, what that says is he denies the Bible. He denies what the Bible says about God. That's all there is to it. Okay. And the final question. How can Yeshua say, the Father is greater than I am, then go on to say in John 14, 10, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. How is that possible? Uh, it's through the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit, it, they share the same spirit. Because even the, that statement would imply that the Father and the Son are equal. The Father and the Son are equal. However, I believe that when he says that the Father, that, that, uh, the Father is greater than I am, I mean, he's talking about status in terms of what he's done. He has emptied himself. He's come as a servant. He's a servant. And he's, he's, he's being humbled. He's not yet been, been exalted. Right? In other words, Yeshua says, you know, glorify. They talk about glorification in, in that John 15, 16, 14, 15, 16, 17 in there. And the Father says, I will glorify it. Right? He's going to glorify the Son. When? When does the son get glorified? And when is when is his vindication? When is his justification of Yeshua? It's the resurrection of the dead. If Yeshua would have just stayed in the grave, everybody would like, yeah, okay. There might be people still clinging. But Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, you know, woe unto us if 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 Yeshua did not raise from the dead. He says there's no benefit for anything we're saying if Yeshua did not raise from the dead. It's the fact of the resurrection and ascension of Yeshua that we look back and we go, wow, he must have Torah correct. <laughs> um, wow, yeah, the way he teaches Torah must actually have to do with eternal life that actually is legit, like defeat over death in this life and death issue in the Torah we read about, this blessing and curse issue. Why do I want to go find some rabbis who died and are buried and people, you know, this is why not this go is to the guy who actually taught Torah, died as a an innocent, you know. You know this. This goes back to the distractions. We get this a lot. Oh, you know, have you heard the latest thing that Itzhak Shapira has said? No, because I don't listen to Itzhak Shapira. I think that you know we've written on on uh, why we believe that that what Itzhak Shapira teaches is heresy. And uh, we've talked on it at length. We've written papers on it. So why am I going to sit down and listen to him teach? I have no interest in, in hearing. Yeah, him. I steer people away. From, I just say don't. I, I just have, say stop it. <laughs> well, it's the same. It's the same with Berkson. And I know a lot of people like Berkson, but Berkson is so messed up on on salvation. I don't understand why people sit down and listen to him. It's like I don't know what it's like. Okay, I'm I am jumping into the chat room just okay. so you know, just because I know we're wrapping it up here. Yeah, I, you know, I yeah. it's it's difficult for me to to uh, you know I don't want to down any person, but if a person is a a uh, a public figure who is teaching things that are clearly not biblical, then guess what? Why listen to them? And this is one of the things that I don't understand when people email email me. Oh, did you hear the last thing Itzhak Shapira said? No. Why are you listening to Itzhak Shapira? You know, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Well, I, well, it's like, who, where do we, what's our diet? 
Exactly. That's exactly right. What's our spiritual? You diet? know, I'm not going in and listening to uh, you know the the famed uh, uh, Mormon teachers teach on the Book of Mormon. Why am I? And then Caleb, to... Caleb, what did you, did you hear that Mormon teacher? Yeah, exactly. Why <laughs> am I? Why am I going to sit down and listen to Itzhak Shapira talk about rabbinics? I mean, it's not even it's not even something that I'm interested in. Nor nor do I think it's edifying to the to to the body or to Christ. I okay, someone said, uh, Miguel, Tor Resource has it all correct. Well, it depends on what you mean by all correct. By pointing to Yeshua, I hope so. Torah, I hope that's correct. Yeah, I, hope I mean, that's we, true. we are convicted that that's correct. Um, in terms of exegeting the Word of God and Scripture, we're just people. Exactly. You know, we're just people. Who was we're just on we're on the learning curve like everybody else is on the learning curve. But what we are doing, we are promoting core values that that and we stand on the shoulders unashamedly of the reformers that emphasized history, historical grammatical. In other words, language of scripture is crucial to exegesis of the scripture. Okay. The language and historical context. Hang on. I want to there's a this is a fantastic comment. And I want to I want to address it. Christina in the chat room says, "Caleb, I agree with you, and I hear you, but not everyone ha can have it right." I completely agree, even me, and Rob, and you know, I don't think I have it all right. And so, like Doctor, uh, like Piper and Doctor Lawson, for example, has something wrong. But that this goes back to the dividing line. Here's the difference between when I listen to Piper, when I listen to Lawson, when I listen to Sproul. You know, when I listen to all these guys, what's the difference between me listening to them and somebody listening to Itzhak Shapira? I'll tell you what the difference is. Lawson, Piper, Sprawl, these guys continually point back to Yeshua. They continually preach the gospel. When Itzhak Shapira preaches, what does he do? He doesn't even have Yeshua right. He doesn't even know. He says well, it's, it's leveraging sensationalism. Right. It's, it's, it's the audience is consistently people who don't who are undiscerning who are not discerning the point is is that anyone who says that yeshua was a was enoch who became a angel and then got promoted to a lesser yod hey vav hey guess what heresy that yeah. is not that is not the gospel you are not preaching the gospel at that point you are te teaching heresy yeah it's so, all and it's all extra biblical sources that they get the tickle from yeah and so like the, why are we even talking about a Met metatron you know and what I mean? So the point is, is that, yes, you are right. Sprawl, Piper, Lawson, these guys have some things that I'm sure are are wrong. And and uh, I think even they would admit that, you know, was it was it, uh, Luther Luther who first said, I forget who it was. I think it was Luther, but he who first said 30 uh, percent of what I'm going to say is is. Uh, oh, well, N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright. Recently. Yeah. N.T. Wright or, uh, says it before every class, but, or, you know, before at the beginning of it. <laughs> I just can't tell you which 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 30 percent is, is is wrong. And I would say the same thing. But, you know, these guys, at least what they're doing is pushing people towards the gospel, whereas people like like Berkson and people like uh, Shapira, they don't have the gospel right. They, they they are wrong. They're mixed up on fundamental parts of the gospel. That's not right. That's why we shouldn't listen to them. Run. Turn around and run. Don't listen to them. That's the point. 
You get somebody in the room like Piper, that man will preach you the gospel every time. And guess what? He is solid on the gospel. Right. And that's where we should be pointing. We should be looking at Christ for the gospel message. You know, I'm reading a great book right now called Gospel Fluency. And uh, he talks about the fact that we have to continually preach the gospel, not only to other people, but to ourselves as well. Because we need to be reminded of why we believe and what we believe. So we have to continually preach the gospel to ourselves. He's absolutely right. Well, this is true. We have to be, I can't live off my Bible study yesterday. I can be encouraged by it and I've built up my memory. But just like gathering the manna of the day, that I need to have fresh worship, fresh time in God's word. Right, because I'm a new creation today. I'm not the same person I was yesterday. So memory is good. Praise God for memory. Praise God for preserving scriptures in the world. We we need that, but it's not sufficient. A good memory is not sufficient for salvation. A, right. a living walk with the risen Yeshua. Right. Yeah. Is uh, that's what's necessary. Right. And then a good memory is is a an added blessing for that. No doubt. All right, everybody, thanks so much for this, uh, for being a part of this show. We we are so blessed to have everybody in the chat room. Um, you know, I I rarely kick people out of the chat room, but when I do, it's because they are they have ulterior motives. I missed that today. I didn't. Uh, I, 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 I banned someone from the chat room only because they came in and were trying to, they had a message to preach and it had nothing to do with what we were talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, good for you, man. Yeah, we got to do that. Got to do it every once in a while. All right. Hey, uh, if you have any comments you'd like to let us know about, you can do so by shooting us an email, com. You can also call our comment line, 253. What is our comment line? Hang on. Here it comes. 253-465-3205. All right. Well, um, as always, we hope that this conversation has done one thing and one thing only, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Because Messiah matters. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah.